Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Glad to have you with us here today as we talk about your self-esteem. You know, it's that thing that you have inside of yourself. How is it working, though? You know, for a lot of us, a lot of times, we go through things and we question ourselves. I've often said to people that there's probably nobody you'll ever meet that can say negative things about you as much or as bad as you say about yourself. Is that true? Do you feel that way? Are you confident? Are you poised? Or is it something that you just do? You know, it's something that you mask, you put on for the world. What do you think? How confident are you? How self-confident are you? And then, of course, there's all the things that we've been through in life. You know, nobody makes it out of this life unscathed. Nobody has a life that is just Shangri-La every day. You know, I mean, I was born into the perfect family, and my parents never corrected me, and I had perfect nutrition, and, you know, I mean, it just doesn't work that way. Um, part of it, those of us that are parents can tell you, is because, you know, really being a parent is a guessing game. You do your best. You love those little monsters just as much as you can. But let's be honest, you don't know what you're doing. You you do your best. Um, and you hope that, uh, you know, they get a good enough job that they can pay the therapy bills. I don't know. No, but seriously, um, you know, and so our parents, I'm sure, uh, all of us have things that we wish they would have done differently. For those of us that our children are grown now, you know, we can look back and we can say, wow, man, if I only knew then what I know now, I could have done such and such differently. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is because often what those things become is not wisdom, but rather a hammer. Something that we can beat ourselves on the head with. You remember those old cartoons, you know, how many lumps do you want, two or three? And then they'd say, I'd like three. And then the guy would hit him on the head with a hammer. Uh, yeah, I know you can't uh, show cartoons like that to kids these days uh, because they started using hammers on each other. <laughs> but um, you remember those if you're a little bit older like I am. And that's how we treat ourselves often is we take the situations in our life and we beat ourselves on the head to give ourselves the proper lumps that we think we deserve. And that's not how life is supposed to be. I can tell you in my own life of the times that I've been my biggest critic, you know, and I've looked at not what can I do, but what am I saying about myself? Uh, you know, this radio show is a perfect example of that. For years, my wife, Kathy, said, you know, you really need to be on the radio. And my own personal self-esteem, uh, some lumps that I had given to myself mostly, you know, some life events that uh, are over and then you just keep replaying them and they become more and more powerful because you don't let them go. 
Am I the only one that has that happen? Raise your hand. Yeah, you've done that too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and so I was hiding. I just, I was like, no, I, I, there were times back in my past when I spoke from stage and I was on radio and all of those different kind of things, but, but no, not anymore. I, I don't have anything to share. And I don't even know exactly why uh, she didn't give up other than that she loves me, but I do know that she persisted, and, and so I gave it a try, and, and I've told you all many times, you know, this radio show is like my guilty pleasure. Um, I love that it helps enhance our business, but it's a lot of fun for me to come in and share with you guys and to give myself credit for the things that I do know and that I can lead you through, um, and, and I appreciate the grace that you as the listening audience give back to me for the times when you're like, hey, did you hear him just stammer and stumble over his words, say the wrong word, not be able to get the guest's name right? <laughs> Hopefully, more than anything, what that'll do for you is you'll be like, oh, wow, if Steve can get through a radio show and say the guest's name wrong, like it's a drinking game or something, how many times can he say their name the wrong way? Uh, then, you know, you can show up and do the thing that you need to do in the world too. And that is where it's how we begin to develop a better self-esteem. We have to step away from the message and begin to really just allow ourselves some grace. You know, the word grace has been thrown around so much, uh, especially in Christian circles, um, and it becomes an acronym for things and, and stuff like that. And grace is really, really simple. Uh, you could boil it down to um, the golden rule, do unto others as you have them do unto you. But grace is a little bit deeper than that. Grace has to do with giving people space to mess up because that's what you want from them when you mess up. Now, that doesn't mean you always get it. Sometimes you'll mess up and people will hold you to task. You can't control other people, but you can control how you show up and how you give grace in the world. And so, uh, you know, nothing spiritual involved in it to be able to apply grace in your relationships with the people that are important to you. You simply look at something and then you step back from the justified, from the, you know, you have the right to feel that way, and you apply grace. And grace is when you say, you know, yeah, I can hold this person to task. I've got them dead to rights. But grace says, you know what? I can let this go. I can talk this through with you. I can find a way to stay in relationship with you because that's more important. And because I know that as I sow grace into the world, that grace will come back to me. I know that I want people to give me grace for the times when I mess up. Don't you feel that way? You want to be forgiven for the mistakes you've made. You want to be given room to grow and to learn and all those kind of things. That's wanting grace. And the way that you get it is by giving it. You see, there's a principle in the world, regardless of what you believe, 
that says that whatever you sow, that's what you'll reap. Meaning that if you plant corn in the ground, you're not going to get sugar cane. You're going to get corn stalks. And the same thing is true if you plant anger, rebellion, uh, you know, holding people to task, all those kind of things. That's the seeds that are growing in your life. Not in the other person, in your life. It's the seed that you're putting out there. You see, what we focus on is what grows. Now, I'm not trying to be preachy here with you. I just want us to understand this crazy thing called life. And the self-esteem that we so often don't esteem ourselves enough to have. So today, I want you to really step up with confidence and listen as we talk to you about how you can have and live a better life, how you can live as the best version of yourself, and how you can begin to apply grace to yourself. And then by doing that, you can apply grace to others and watch if you don't see it start coming back to you in places that you didn't expect you were going to get it. It's really amazing to see when we focus on something in life, how that's what grows in our life, regardless of what that is. Negativity, positivity, grace, confidence, whatever we focus on, that's what grows. So today we want to talk about really growing a positive, powerful self-esteem to be able to really look at your life and see just how great it is. Are you ready for that? We'll take our first commercial break, and then we'll be right back to build you up here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author, and now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Your self-esteem, your self-image, your self-worth. Today, we're going to dive into it. We want you to live powerfully, unshakably, dynamically. Come up with some more adverbs that talk about having a great life. More than anything, that's what I want for you. So we're going to bring to you a couple of best-selling authors that have amazing books that help you really be able to focus on some good parts of your life and really watch those grow. How is your self-confidence? Would you call it unshakable or is it maybe very shakable? Today we want to talk about... <laughs> you like that, don't you? <laughs> 
Today we want to talk about Lakeisha Greenwald's um, book, 40 Days to Unshakable Self-Confidence to Design the Life You've Always Dreamed of. How does that sound, everybody? So join me in welcoming Lakeisha. Hi, Lakeisha. How are you? I'm outstanding. Hi, everyone. Uh, and I keep saying it wrong. It's Lakeisha, not Lakeisha. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Lakeisha Green Wade. Yes. <laughs> All right. So tell everybody a little bit about you and how you became the queen of confidence. Ah, the queen of confidence. I like that a lot there. Um, so basically, I am the unicorn in business. <laughs> tell me the last time you've seen uh, uh, make strides in her early career, see and even be invited to the C-suite and deny it because she chose the life that really fit her. I'm that woman. And how did I get there? Basically, uh, I'm just a kid from Akron, uh, hashtag, you know, just a kid from Akron, Ohio, um, that grew up in a very supportive and loving environment, however, a sheltered environment. And although I was a seller on an academic level, um, I was struggling to find my own voice, struggling to find my own voice or rather to have my voice heard. And as a result of Learning how to um, gain that confidence to share my voice, I was able to shape uh, many endeavors that have impacted the business world and that continue to impact entrepreneurs, leaders, innovators, et cetera, um, now in my current roles, you know, as a, as a coach, as an executive coach, as well as an innovator. So it's uh, the, the book actually demonstrates what I think a lot of people throughout life and even on a daily basis is that inner struggle that in many cases has not been captured in media or, you know, other reader stories have not been told, you know, about those, those nuanced moments that actually shape and mold a person into uh, gaining confidence um, so that they can speak and, and make life a lot better. I love on the back of your book, you ask a question. And so I'm going to ask it back to you. The question is, what separates the cream of the crop from those that are not? So tell us, what does separate the cream of the crop from those that are not? It's confidence. Hands down, it is confidence. And I can speak from being named and being mentioned as the cream of the crop from when I was a child, even to my point now. And I'm, I'm not saying that to brag, but what I'm saying is that there's a key differentiating factor. There are a lot of people that are very smart that can be uh, that can be named as geniuses. There are a lot of people with significant talent. However, those that truly make it are those that believe in themselves, those that invest in themselves, and those that surround themselves with uh, sharp folks that can keep them um, on a higher ground and on a higher level. And so those things help to build confidence. And so it really does separate folks. And one, uh, one of the things that uh, readers will um, get to experience as they go through the book over a 40-day period are tips that I provide that typically aren't shared by leaders. Many times these tips are common sense, but then there's some that, you know, may not be deemed as common sense, but these are things Small things, small tweaks in the system that can really help define and shape one's life, um, you know, to another level that they would often dream about. And so um, competence is that differentiating factor. Again, 
um, when you put apples, apples, and oranges, oranges, it's, the, the key thing that's going to separate those folks is who's going to take that initiative, who's going to be the one that actually takes action after believing in themselves. So for somebody who's wondering, define for us what is the difference between being competent and being conceited? Oh, I love it. <laughs> Great question. So I don't if I could give another term uh, that's synonymous with that of being conceited, maybe self-righteous, one that is totally stuck on themselves um, and doesn't and doesn't consider this is a key thing, someone that does not consider the impact on their gifts for others in a way that is beneficial without only benefiting themselves, if that makes sense. A, a truly confident person understands, number one, that it's not all about them. A truly confident person understands, and you can read this in the book, that we all have to honor and surrender to some sort of authority, okay? Um, and a truly confident person understands that, again, go, kind of going back to that, it's not all about yourself, but a truly confident person can help promote and develop others, whereas a conceited person is totally in tune only with themselves, can be oblivious to the environment around them, and does not have anything to contribute that is worthwhile to those around them as well. Well, such a great answer. I knew if anybody you could answer it. And I love, <laughs> I love on the book, you know, how the confidence just comes out in both the front and the back picture. You know, you can really tell that, um, <laughs> you know, it's just fun. You're having fun with the pictures, but you're also like, yeah, I got this. Um, what, yeah. would be, what would be some things that people could do to really start living their life in a way that lets them just show up in the world as, hey, I've got this. I love it. And thank you for that compliment about those pictures. And those pictures were actually taken after I had maybe had like my fourth surgery. You'll see some of that documented in the book. Um, but I was just uh, coming into my own and, and taking my power back to refine my own life. And so for those that are seeking um, to live a life that they dream or to really live their life in confidence, the first thing is becoming aware of, uh, of who you are um, and what it is that you want to be. Uh, in many cases, we can dream those things, but then we can tug, tug it away or perhaps we allow, we share our dreams with those who are small-minded, and then we don't have that environment around us that can help encourage us and push us and cheer us on. So uh, the first thing is be aware of where you are, identify where it is that you want to go, but then the third thing is take the initiative to count the cost of what it's going to take to build that life that you want. And so the great thing about the book is that it, it breaks a lot of those things down uh, over a 40-day period uh, to help um, the reader really uh, count the cost, but also um, to break down the task in, into something that is meaningful as well as something that is applicable so that they can see a change and see an adjustment after 40 days. So you know how it goes. Um, you know, you get to a certain stage in your life and you start having some success. Um, I love asking people this question. If you could go back in time and talk to a younger version of yourself, I'll let you choose when, uh, what advice would you give to yourself that you know now that you wish you would have known then? Wow, that's a great question. I believe that the greatest piece of advice I could give is don't doubt yourself. And the reason I say that is because, man, 
the reason we have dreams is for a reason. Therefore, it's for a particular purpose. And not everyone has the exact same dreams. And in many cases, people don't go after their dreams because they consider their lack of resources or they can they just can't determine the how to reach their dream or they look at their environment and say you know I don't have that support to even achieve that dream and then they just count themselves out so I would say you know um, believe in what it is that you are conceiving in your mind because it's not happening for naught it's there for a reason and if you don't take the steps to live out your dream, then there's somebody in this world that is not going to reach their full potential. There's someone in this world that is not going to benefit from your gift because you decided to give her. I like that. And it's really important that we understand that, you know, our gifts aren't really meant for us anyway. They were meant for who we can give them to. But I want to I want to jump on a word that you said there when you're talking about um you know advice you'd give to yourself. It's that word doubt. Why mm-hmm. do you suppose doubt can be so easy for us? Doubt is doubt if I can go into the sense doubt is what I can consider an attack of the enemy. And uh and the enemy is I guess if you can consider if you have like a little angel on one shoulder and a little devil on one shoulder, um, we're always going to, you know, have this dream and maybe have this positivity, but there's always going to be some enemy that's like a dream killer that's going to present itself in some shape or form throughout our life. And perhaps, you know, it could be a person. It could be a situation such as a financial situation. It could be a health disparity. (laughs) Um, It could be, you know, getting bad grades in school. Um, So whenever we encounter obstacles and we find that it can be difficult, it's very, very easy for one to doubt that they can overcome that and actually achieve their dreams. And the beauty of the book is that I am very transparent about many of the obstacles that I faced in life from being a young girl, even to an adult, and how I had to face those things, even when they were significantly hard and things that I could have easily just turned away from and said, "Mm, now I'm going to try something different. But the beauty is that I'm a living example that when you face those obstacles, you have to just dig down, grind hard, and still go after it. And also be patient, because I think that's something that a lot of people lack is patience as you're trying to build your dream. And as a result, you know, they say, oh, this is taking too long. Maybe it's not for me. No, that was just a test to see if you're really going to go after it and and, and how hungry you are for that particular dream. So the key here is overcoming those obstacles, being patient enough to go through the process, go through the test, you could come out on the other side victorious as one that is actually living their dreams. And there's so few people in the world actually living their dreams because so many people gave up because they doubted. So now, of course, people need to buy the book on Amazon if they want to take yes. the whole 40 days to unshakable self-confidence. But today, if you could only pick one thing, because I'm only going to let you pick one thing, um, what would be one piece of advice that somebody could do right now that could help them down the road to unshakable self-confidence? 
Wow, I like that. I would have to say take the first step. And the reason I say that is because that can be summed up in a word of action. We often think about things, we ponder things, we dream about things, but the difference between someone that is confident and someone that is not is taking a step, being active. Mm. Being active. And I might even jump onto that and say being active in something positive, worthwhile, something that's going to yes. be good for you. You know, I'm, you know, <laughs> not just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, forsaking results for just being busy because there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, they're yes. totally always doing busy work, but it's not really serving them or anybody else. Absolutely. So it's definitely being strategic. And and the key thing is taking that action because there's so many people that can write plans. There's so many people that can create vision boards. There's so many people that will even watch Oprah and, you know, be inspired. But then a year later, five years later, they still have not had any movement towards their particular goal. And so, again, those that are confident are those that are willing to step out, walk on faith, walk on the water, and do something towards their particular dream and or their goal. Lakisha Greenway, 40 Days to Unshakable Self-Confidence, Design the Life You've Always Dreamed. An amazing book, a bestseller, and a book that you can get on Amazon. I really encourage you to get it today. Lakisha, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And everyone, I can't wait to see how confident you are to join our Facebook group for 40 Days to Unshakable Self-Confidence so we can maintain a proper community that will uplift you and support you throughout your journey. Absolutely. I encourage you to join that group. A group designed on purpose to help you show up in the world and live with unshakable self-confidence. Now, there's a group that I can get behind. That's a group that I'd really love to see you be a part of because you can really, really then show up in the world as the best version of yourself. The world deserves to have the best version of you, and you deserve to be the best version of yourself. And here's why. Because at the end of the day, what we want more than anything else is to be here to serve the people that we were meant to serve. You know, Lisa Nichols says, and I've quoted it many times over, your gift isn't for you. And so by showing up as the best version of ourselves, we have the ability and the capability to be able to really, truly bless the world and those that we were placed on this planet to live, to love, and to serve. I really do hope that you've gotten some insights in how you too can live with an unshakable self-confidence because I know that will help you live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. 
that message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We're talking about your unshakable self-confidence, your self-esteem, and more than anything, about you, about how you can take those things in your life. You can add a little grace and you can actually thrive. It's amazing to me. You know, I've read a lot of books. You can only imagine, you know, with what I do that I've read a lot of books. But even before then, um, you know, I've always loved to read. And I love some of the inspirational stories about people who have had just the worst possible starts in life. I don't know if you've ever read the story of the child called It. Um, or other ones like that. Um, maybe you've read um, Eliezel's Night. Um, there is some amazing, horrifying stuff that people went through. And yet, later in life, the impact that they've been able to make from the things that have happened to them in life. You see, you can choose. Is this thing going to be my tombstone? Or is it going to be my stepping stone? Um, you know, we, we throw around the phrase a lot of times, do you want to live in your story or do you want to live on your story? You see, I could live in the story of being a single parent, of having a divorce um, and a life that didn't go the way that I had planned, um, and sitting there with five children um, lost most of the time. Any of you that have been single parents, you know exactly what I mean. But I believed for better. I believed for the possibilities. Now I'm, you know, as I'm recording this, I'm at like 15 and a half years. Uh, you know, like 16 years ago, a, a little bit more than that, is when I met my amazing wife, Kathy. And my life's never been the same. But I had to choose to focus on something better than what was right in front of my eyes. And then when I got through that storm be willing to share with others what they too can do to have their life be better, how they can thrive in their lives, in their business. And I really want that for you. That's why I bring these best-selling authors to you is, is so that you can get little nuggets of truth from them. And hopefully it'll make your day a little brighter, a little better, and give you some tools that you can use to be able to really thrive in your life and your business. So are you ready for this next book? Because I really am. Oh, I'm so looking forward to this book today. I really had a blast meeting Samantha at Speak and Write. And then when we started working on her book, it was just a blast to hear her take on something that, you know, let's be honest, it probably wasn't a lot of fun to go through. And yet, it's so impactful and so helpful. So really, uh, just join with me in welcoming Samantha Kosak. How are you today, Samantha? I'm doing amazing. It's It's been a good day and it's been a good couple of weeks and I'm really excited to to be on the show talking about the book. Yeah, absolutely. I'm stoked. 
So the book is titled, and I love the name, uh, the book is titled A Crazy Little Thing Called Me. Um, and, right. Uh, it deals with your life growing up with a mom who had a relatively severe, uh, I mean, you can't really call it about because it's not like it was, you know, like a cold. <laughs> she has a, right. uh, a fairly strong case of bipolar disorder. Um, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wanted to find a title that was kind of fun and kind of a little disruptive, you know, the word crazy isn't one that you like to throw around, but it was kind of fun. It was a little disruptive. And when I had run it, run it past my mom, she was like, I love it. I think it's, I think it's great. And, you know, having, having a mom with bipolar is really difficult. So having anybody in your life with bipolar is very difficult. Um, and it kind of makes you feel a little crazy yourself. Um, so being able to kind of relate to both, both parties was what I was trying to do. And I feel like, I, I, I feel like I, I managed to do it pretty well, um, but it, yeah, it's been a wild ride, and the book has come along really, really well, and I, I'm excited for anyone who hasn't read it to read it, because I feel like even if you don't know anybody with bipolar, it, it has some good life advice in general to just kind of go off of and learn and grow from, and I feel like it could help a wide, wide spectrum of people just in life in general or, you know, going through the bipolar and all of that. It's, it's crazy. You know, it could create a little thing called me. Well, and it's so fun too, because, um, you know, you talk about in the book, there were times when the relationship with your mom wasn't what it is now because it just couldn't be, you know, it wasn't that she had any ill intentions to you. She just didn't have, the uh, physical, mental capability to really have that mother-daughter relationship that, you know, we see on TV. I don't know if it's real anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it, it, it makes it a lot difficult to have a normal childhood kind of thing and a normal relationship when your your parent or your spouse or whoever isn't isn't present. You know, there's their body's there and they're there, but they're not present to the situation. And it makes it very difficult, especially when they're not medicated and you're, you're constantly walking on eggshells, making sure you don't trigger them in any way or start something, you know, it's very, it's very difficult. And for me personally, I was, I was really young when we went through a lot of stuff that we went through. And so I didn't have a lot of backlash uh, where, you know, she'd get mad at me or something like, you know, something that I did or anything like that. My older sister got a lot of it and her and my, her and my mom were constantly head to head and, it's taken them years and years to get back to where they're, you know, back to some sort of normal. And, you know, it makes you really value the relationship that we have now because we didn't have that a few years ago. Our, the, the woman that my mom is today is a very different person and she's incredible. I, I love my mom more than anything. Clearly I wrote a book about her, you know, but uh, it, it took a toll on the relationships in the family because she had no way to control it. And we didn't know what we were doing. We were just trying to make sure that everything kind of stayed, you know, relatively low. We didn't want to be, you know, the house become a war zone at any minute. So we just, you know, tried to stay low a little bit. And when things sparked up, it, it really ignited. And, and my, like I said, my sister was the one who really got a lot of the, the brunt force of it, but 
you know, today, years later, after my mom has been medicated, we're great. The family is close and everybody's, you know, together. And my mom's one of my best friends. Shoot. You know, I tell her everything. She's always there. And it's a, it's amazing how you can have somebody who is unmedicated and have them be so detached and then have that exact same person medicated a few years down the line. And they're so present to what's going on. And, you know, you want them to be part of your life and you want them to be engaged and they are, it's, it's really uplifting. And it's, it's kind of that light at the end of the tunnel for you. You know, you go through all this dark sadness and the detachment and all of that. And you come out and it's, you know, you have this person who's present and wanting to be around and happy. And it's nice to, it's relieving almost. And I know a lot of us, our version of things that we haven't experienced personally tends to end up being based on like something we saw on TV or, or the Oprah show or something right. like that. Um, for right. people who don't really understand what bipolar disorder is, can you give a, you know, kind of layman simple version of what that is? Yeah. So bipolar is a chemical imbalance in the brain and it's actually a progressive disease. Um, so it, you're constantly going through mood cycles and you can be manic, which is very, impulsive and you know high functioning and you can go into deep depression and it just cycles around from manic to deep depression and the cycles can go you know weeks at a time or you have people who cycle really quickly where it's you know a couple of days um, and what a lot of people don't realize about bipolar is that it is a progressive disease and every time you complete a cycle there is actually brain cell loss and so it's crucial to get on the medication just for that purpose, you know, let alone the, the social and the relationship, you know, part of bipolar, but because it is a progressive disease, you lose, you lose brain, brain function as it, you know, continues to go through, but the person that's going through it has no idea what's going on. You know, they go, they go from mad to happy to sad to manic and everything else in between. And of course, no one case of bipolar is the same. Everyone everyone cycles differently. My mom used to cycle and she would go into depression for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then all of a sudden she was, you know, happy go lucky. And she was remodeling the house. And, you know, so it, it, it varies per person, but for the most part, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's a cycle of manic and a cycle of depression, which is why they used to call people with bipolar manic depressives, because it, that's kind of the cycle that they go through. So I was, you know, thinking about this as I was preparing for the interview. Uh, you know, Kathy and I had experience with her mom and the going through dementia. Um, and one of the worst things was that she didn't know that she had it. Um, is it right. the same way with bipolar? I mean, is it the kind of thing where they're cycling from the outside? It's just so obvious. But for the person actually experiencing it, they just think that, it's all good or that you're picking on them or whatever. You know, it can be, there's, there's a lot of times where people don't know that they have bipolar. They might think that they're just kind of moody or that they have a lot of hormones or something like that. You know, a lot of times people don't know and it's difficult to diagnose somebody with bipolar because there isn't like a blood test you can run and say, Oh yeah, you have it. It's, it's a lot of psychological tests because there's a lot of, there's a lot of tells with bipolar, you know? So it's it's like almost like a bunch of interviews you have to go through in order to 
know that you're bipolar. And some people know that it runs in their family. And they're like, you know, if I have it, I do. If I don't, great. My mom, my mom was diagnosed when she was 25. Um, but they didn't, I don't think she realized the severity of it. And so when she was finally like older and going through it, you could look back and go, okay, her, you know, doing this was a total sign of her cycling because it was something crazy. Like normal people don't, I don't want to say normal because we're all, we're all normal, but people without bipolar don't do stuff like that. You know, like she would randomly start remodeling the house and we're like, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, Oh, it needs to be, it needs to be changed. We need to change it. And you're like, okay, well maybe, maybe you settle down and we'll, we'll talk about it. And she would just go and do it. And most people don't have that sort of thought process. Um, but some people go their whole lives and they have no idea until far longer in their life. And that's a little unfortunate because, you know, if that's how you're, if that's how you're living, you're, you have the potential to lose a lot of relationships and that's very, very taxing. So if you have a person in your life, um, what kind of things would you look for? Um, you know, I mean, cause diagnosis is, you know, especially in relationships can get thrown around pretty easily. Um, right. Yeah. You know, so obviously you wouldn't want to accuse somebody of a disease that is just, you know, relationship conflict, but what kind of things should a person be looking for, um, to be able to help somebody that they love get help? The the biggest thing would be to look for like the depression because the depression is what really, really gets people. Um, you, you know, depression is a hard thing in general just to deal with, but people with bipolar think very, very far and that can make them lethargic. It can make them angry. And, uh, an angry bipolar person is very different than uh, an angry non-bipolar person because they are just enraged because they, they don't know what's going on. And they're, it, you know, the, the cycles are so frustrating because you're okay. And then something triggers you and you're not. And that's a big thing are the triggers. It can be a word. It can be body language. It can be moving something that they don't want moved. And if it's, you know, constantly repeated and they're constantly triggered by it, that's kind of a good tell, you know, Oh, if I say this or I do this, they get mad or I say this or I do this and they get sad. It's, it's a good kind of gauge. You know, obviously we have our thing, we all have our little quirks and that kind of thing, but someone with bipolar really, really struggles because the triggers are so, they can be so random, you know, it can be so much as moving a pair of shoes. Um, but having somebody who has bipolar, it's, it's really, really crucial to be aware of what, you know, what they're doing and, you know, the way that they go about their days, because if they're not cycling, you, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know, you, you know, they, they'd be like you and I walking around. But if you have somebody with bipolar and they're cycling, it's very, it kind of stands out because if they're manic, they're doing a lot of, a lot of things that most people wouldn't do, you know, very high functioning, very happy go lucky, you know, spend, spending an obscene amount of money, even though they don't have it kind of thing. And the depression, you know, deep, deep bipolar depression is, it stands out because it's so, they feel so helpless and so you know, gloom and doom that it's hard to get them out. And I know one of the biggest reasons why you wrote the book, 
the crazy little thing called me was to help people like yourself who have a person that they love that has bipolar disorder um, speak to them for a little bit. What kind of words of help, advice, encouragement, whatever can you give to somebody who has a person they love in their life that's dealing with this? Just it's it's a hard it's a hard journey to go through. It's it's hard if it's your parent, your spouse, your sibling. It's it's very very difficult. And there's going to be times where you want to you want to just give up and you want to say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And that's one of those times where you have to be strong and you have to push through and say, you know, no, I love this person and I'm going to I'm going to stick it through with them because at you know, at the end of the road when everything's said and done, you're going to have that person and they're going to have you. And that's, that's going to be the difference between, you know, something catastrophic, being with that person through the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent is, is huge. And staying patient through all of it, because it's, it's a process, you know, this doesn't get, this doesn't get fixed or treated overnight. It's a long process of, changing medication of going through cycles of, you know, just battles. And these, you know, the people that you have in your life right now that have bipolar disorder, they, they want help regardless of what they, you know, what they say at the end of the day, there's, they, they need some sort of help, whether that's, you know, medication, whether that's just you sitting with them and talking to them or listening to them while, you know, they go through this cycle or, or not, they, they need to know that they're not alone because that's really, really hard, especially when they're going through the depression, they're going through the anger, being, being alone and going through depression, it makes it so much worse. Having people there who they know care about them is so important and loving these people, you know, loving your mom, your brother, your sister, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you know, is, so important knowing that you know knowing that you're there means the world and reassuring them that you are there and you're not going anywhere is makes all the difference you know and it's like i said it's going to be really hard but there are there are so many more days ahead of you that are going to be so much better once everything's figured out with my mom i she literally brought us to hell and back and, and then some, and there were times where I couldn't stand her. I resented her more than anything. And looking back at that, being a 10 year old little girl, you're not supposed to resent your mom. You're supposed to love your mom and be there. And I wish that there was somebody who could have told me that, who could have said, you know, be patient and be caring and be considerate and love your mom regardless. And that's what I'm kind of hoping, you know, hoping to do with, with all of you is, be that voice to say, you know what, keep pushing through, love them, be compassionate, be kind, love them no matter what they're putting you through. Because my mom's been medicated for a handful of years now, and she's my best friend. I, I don't know what I would do without her. I really don't because she, while she has her little quirks and she drives me crazy sometimes, I, I would do anything for her. And it's so fun to hang out with her and be with her and just go get coffee or go shopping, you know, and I, I wouldn't have that if I just dropped her and, you know, called it a day. She's, she's my world and it didn't come easily. 
it didn't. It took a lot of years, and but it, it was worth it. Those years of struggle and those years of trials and tribulations were, were worth what, what I have with her now. And that's a solid, loving relationship with her. So it's really important just to not give up, you know, and just stick it through. And when they're floating away and they don't know what's going on, be their anchor. Anchor them down, you know, know let them know that they always have somewhere to go. That's, that's really important. Just love them. And you say to the reader who is someone that has somebody in their life that they love that has bipolar disorder, you make sure right up front to let them know how much you appreciate them and to really say thank you to them for all that they've done. And I want to say to you, thank you for all that you've been through and for being a beacon, a light to people who are now going through that themselves. The book is so amazing. It's called The Crazy Little Thing Called Me by Samantha Koshek. And you really just, I mean, if you have somebody with bipolar disorder, absolutely you need to get this. But even if you don't, I really encourage you to pick up the book on Amazon. It is a great book. Um, I won't promise you you won't cry at points, but uh, <laughs> it, it is an amazing book. Samantha, thanks so much for your book. Thank and you. And for spending some time with us on the radio here today. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Next time life feels crazy for you, think about Samantha and her amazing book, The Crazy Little Thing Called Me. And then you know that you're not alone, and together we can all thrive. We'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to WeHelp youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back i hope you're feeling great about yourself i hope you're standing just a little bit taller feeling a little lighter a little brighter you know tony robbins says that your mind can't distinguish between what you vividly imagine and what actually happens and so often uh, you know and if you've ever been to any of tony's uh, trainings or heard him on TV or, or recordings or any of that stuff, one of the things I'll have you do is just literally physically change your state. Change how you're sitting. Uh, you know, if you're slouched, you put your your, your shoulders back and sit, uh, you know, up straight. Better yet, if you can stand up, he'll have you move your arms and do movements. All of the kind of things to get you into action. 
because that action then changes your state. One thing that I know, um, and this is amazing, I, I loved finding out this piece of information, it is impossible for you to be in service and to be stressed out simultaneously. Think about that one. Next time you have a bill that, you know, is just overwhelming you or, or um, you know, somebody's sick in the family or real stresses. I'm not talking about, you know, you're stressed out because you hope that, um, you know, you win the lottery. Um, we can go into that in a whole nother segment about what it takes if you really truly have as a goal to win the lottery. Uh, I actually have a chapter in my book about that. Um, <laughs> segue. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, but, you know, things that are really stressing you out, things that you're having a difficult time overcoming. Often, the biggest part that you can do, the best thing you can do to help with that is to simply change your state. Stand up, move, talk a little louder, emphasize your words. Sometimes you need to get quiet. You need to be still and know and listen. There are blessings in quietness. Some of the best breakthrough moments in my life have been simply sitting and listening to the rain. There's nothing maybe more amazing than when you're someplace dry but where you can hear the rain, you know, like if you're in a really good tent or a tarp um, and you can hear the rain hitting on the top of it and you're comfy and dry, but you can hear and feel and smell the nature around you. Um, I remember when we lived at the coast, we could open the window and we could hear the ocean waves crashing. And because it was the Washington coast, most of the time the rain falling too. Um, and it was just so wonderful. I remember uh, one of the, youth groups that I actually worked for, the church people asked me, they're like, are you sure you want to live out here? It rains all the time. And I was like, no, you don't understand. On the sunny days, you get to go out and enjoy the beach, you know, because the beach was my backyard. And on the rainy days, the ocean waves are amazing. And I can see the ocean from my, my window. I got to tell you, honestly, it was hard to get work done a lot of days because you could just sit there and just let hours go by watching waves crash. Um, you need those kind of things in your life, things that just overwhelm and amaze you. But you also need in your life to find the good in things that other people, um, you know, they've, they've missed the wonder of it. I remember Kathy talking about... Um, right after our youngest, Maya, was born, that being pregnant made her fall in love with the Northwest all over again. The gray and gloomy days no longer brought her down, that it made her think about how beautiful and green things were. And so now, you know, I mean, even now that we live down in Southern California and it's sunny all the time, there are some times on that rare, <laughs> cloudy day when, you know, uh, Kathy will be like, you know, I really just still love the gray, cloudy rain. It's all about how you see the things. It's all about how you can empower yourself to be the best version of yourself. Because you're needed in this world. Nobody else can be you. I can tell you a secret. I've learned this in life. 
there are certain things that seem to be mandatory to happen in the world around. And, and that's evidenced often by, uh, by music, pop music, books also can do that. You will often hear a, uh, a thread through, um, you know, different messages that are coming at you. Like I said, whether it be songs, television ads, what have you, um, and it's like the whole of the universe is coming together and saying, right now, we want to talk about, um, you know, there for a while, uh, really actually just after uh, we named the show Thriving Entrepreneur, I began to see it other ways. And I don't know what came first. Um, mostly my awareness, I'm sure, was the word thrive and all the places it showed up. Um, and there's just a lot of that that happens in the world. So the world does its best to make up for uh, misses, for people, for when we all don't show up as powerfully as we could. But in the end, nobody can be you. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that as their goal, they want to be the next Oprah Winfrey. And I'm helping to encourage them that, yes, there's a hole in the world where the Oprah show used to be. But what we need now is for them to show up as the best version of them. Because the world doesn't need Oprah 2.0. The world needs you. You have a voice. You have a message. And Kathy and I love sharing you with the world. We have a goal that over the course of our lifetime, that in all of the different methods between the free ones and the paid ones and everything else, that we can help a million people share their message with the world in written, in audio, in digital form, in those kind of formats so that those messages can be shared with the world and those messages don't get lost. We want you to come and join us at Best Sellers Guild, not because we want to hammer you with sales stuff. In fact, we almost never do sales presentations in the group. But what we want is for your message to begin to grow and be cultivated inside of you so that you can share your message with the world. So do come join us at Best Sellers Guild dot com we would love to have you as part of our family because what i know that i know that i know is that you are uniquely brilliant you were created very specifically for a purpose and the world needs you nobody else can be you we need you to be the best version of yourself that you can be and if we do that, then we can all live every day of our life as a thriving entrepreneur. I want that for you. Until next week, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. 
now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.